Welcome to the Edge of Faith Essentials podcast. Edge of Faith Essentials is an educational podcast that provides essential information, resources, and tips about education, leadership, and topics about diverse learners. Diverse learners include students with disabilities who receive services under Section 504 or the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, response to intervention and the multi-tier system of support, English speakers of other languages, and related diverse learner categories. Educate Essentials' mission is to bring positive awareness and promote equity and inclusion in education by sharing information and topics about non-traditional learners. Educate Essentials' goal is to restore faith in education one student at a time by empowering listeners with knowledge because we all know that knowledge is power, so let's be powerful. I am your host, Dr. Nakia, sending you good vibes and thanking you for joining me for another episode of the Educate Essentials podcast. episode with an Edufaith inspirational message. Aww. One Pittsburgh teacher decided to go to extra mile for her student, literally. Savannah Barton and her student Sophie, who is nonverbal and special needs, completed the Pittsburgh Half Marathon on May 7. Barton ran the 13.1 mile course with Sophie, who she pushed in a stroller for the majority of the race. But later, they walked the finish line together with the help of the teacher. The pair finished the course in about two hours and 43 minutes. And the teacher, Ms. Martin, kudos to her. She wanted to convey the message that we can do hard things. And she was so proud of her sweet girl, Sophie. Martin wrote that on her Facebook page and she shared a photo of the race day. Kudos to Ms. Barton and Sophie for going the extra mile and doing those great things and Ms. Martin for being an inspiration in Sophie's life. I'm sure this is an experience that Sophie will never forget and we love special teachers and special stories about people doing great things in the community. So kudos to you, Ms. Martin. So I want to bring some awareness to a couple of dates in July. July is considered Disability Pride Month in the United States. July 14th is the Disability Pride Parade, and July 14th is also Disability Awareness Day. July 22nd is the National Fragile X Awareness Day, and on July 26th, we celebrate the anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, which was enacted in the United States. So now let's shift to some essential news. The director of the Office of Special Education, OSEP, discussed preparing future educators to proactively and positively address behavior in the June Discipline Blog series that was released on June 29th. OSEP Director Valerie C. Williams highlighted statistics related to education and special education personnel shortages. And she emphasized that the Department of Education and their efforts to address these shortages. Williams recognizes that education preparation programs need to prepare educators for classroom realities which includes supporting the social-emotional development and behavior needs of students. She quoted, We provide educators with evidence-based practices paired with systems that support their implementation. The result is often a reduced reliance on exclusionary discipline, Williams said. It is my belief that truly inclusive schools and early childhood programs where children and educators have and feel that sense of belonging must start at the earliest age of any educator preparation program. 
She asked the OSEF funding collaboration for effective educator development accountability reform, CEDAR Center, to expand the educator preparation programs, including programs using evidence-based and high leverage practices. And she wants to partner with local and state communities and leverage those tools and resources that are already in place to support teachers and retain teachers, particularly those teachers who work with students with special needs and students with disabilities. I will have that article and that information on the Educate Essentials YouTube page. And that is our inspirational message and our essential news for today. As we shift into our essential knowledge, we want to recognize dyslexia today. So our topic is dyslexia. June was Dyslexia Awareness Month. And so in today's episode, I really want to talk about dyslexia and just give some information and resources and facts about dyslexia and how it impacts individuals. Although the disorder varies from person to person, some common characteristics include difficulty with monological processing, the manipulation of sounds, spelling, rapid visual verbal responding. Dyslexia can impact individuals in a variety of ways, and in some ways it impacts include word recognition, spelling, pronunciation of written words, associating letters with the sounds they make, understanding syllables, identifying rhymes, and hearing and identifying the spoken word. Dyslexia falls under the umbrella of a specific learning disability, and it has three main subtypes. Reading, which is titled dyslexia, writing, which is titled dysgraphia, and math, which is titled dyscalculia. Experts estimate that it affects about 7% of the people worldwide, and dyslexia impacts people regardless of their socioeconomic background, their race, their sex. Overall, it is noted that about 20% of people are impacted by dyslexia, even though it may not be severe enough for a diagnosis. So 7% of those individuals are impacted worldwide. But for, as far as those who may have dyslexia, where it's not enough where it warrant a diagnosis, is about 20% worldwide. When looking at dyslexia and being diagnosed with dyslexia, it is due to differences in the brain. So there's no blood tests or lab screenings to detect it. A lot of times parents and families, you may notice things. They notice that your child is having reading difficulties. Educators, you may notice that a student is having re reading difficulties or math difficulties or really struggling academically. Dyslexia is tested through a psychological evaluation. And usually when they test for dyslexia, they look for things like decoding unfamiliar words, oral language skills, reading fluency and comprehension, spelling, vocabulary, and word recognition. Typically, early testing is best because dyslexia can be categorized as a learning disability. Students may manifest dyslexia at different ages, but it's better to catch it early. Many children show reading problems before third grade, but the reading demand increases with age. So it's important to pay attention and diagnose any learning disorder as early as possible. Parents, the child's teacher may rec I said, recommend an evaluation to see what's going on and see if your child may have a learning disability. Your child may be placed on an intervention team to see if they can tease out and determine what interventions are appropriate to diagnose dyslexia and see which recommendations they need to follow. Typically, early testing is best 
for dyslexia and other learning disabilities. So for instance, you may notice that your child begins to struggle as they start to approach third grade because the reading demands increase at that age. So it's important to pay attention at home to your child and how they're decoding words, how they're reading, how they're interpreting oral and written language to see if there may be a reason or rationale for you to look and see if your child needs to be tested for dyslexia. If their child is in the school setting or while they're in the school setting, the teacher may notice some things in the classroom and notice that there are some decoding issues or some reading issues or some math or writing issues where the child may be struggling. If that's the case, the teacher may have you come for a response or intervention or multi-tier system of support meeting, and the team may start doing some interventions to start teasing out and determining what interventions may support your child. And these processes may lead to a school evaluation by a certified educational psychologist to determine if your child may have dyslexia. Based on the impact and how dyslexia impacts a child, your child may or could qualify for an individual education plan or a Section 504 plan to support with those interventions that were gathered and the data that was collected under the multi-tier system of support and based on the data from the psychoeducational evaluation. And if they have those services, these services can help provide access to the curriculum due to the deficits and the impact of dyslexia. Adults also may be diagnosed with dyslexia and it often result in challenges for adults with grammar, spelling, reading comprehension, reading fluency, sentence structure, and in-depth writing. When looking at dyslexia, as we tease out a little bit more, a person with dyslexia may have a history of learning problems, including dyslexia, an early history of delayed speaking, reading, or writing, slow reading speed or trouble, including small words and parts of longer words when reading out louds, or even a hard time remembering abbreviations. There is not an exact cause for dyslexia. It isn't clear. It does not matter what your background is. It's just one of those disabilities where it manifests and you may notice it and your individual may be tested with a psychoeducational evaluation or other means and determine that they have it. But there's not an exact reason or rationale or cause for dyslexia. Um, as far as genetics, dyslexia is highly genetic and could run in families. So maybe a parent may have dyslexia. So with that, research says it's a 30 or 50% chance that a child may inherit that. Genetic conditions like Down syndrome can make dyslexia more likely to happen. Differences in the brain and function may occur. If you're a neurodivergent, that means the brain is formed or works differently than expected. Research shows that people with dyslexia have brain differences and differences in their structure, function, and chemistry, or disruptions in the brain development. So for instance, infections, toxic exposures, or other events that disrupt fetal development and increase the odds of later development of dyslexia. So there's no exact cause, but those are some things that could manifest and could lead to a diagnosis of dyslexia. However, the research is still out there. When you look at treatment for dyslexia, there are programs and tools available and that can help children and adults with dyslexia, regardless of how it impacts you and regardless of your age. Research strongly indicates that the earlier dyslexia is identified and treated, the better the outcome. There's no cure for it, but you can have interventions and treatment for dyslexia. Often adults will seek an evaluation, like I said, or even children may seek an evaluation through a school evaluation or a private evaluation from a psychologist. 
Some primary practitioners don't really evaluate for dyslexia. So if you choose to take a child to the doctor, you can have those conversations. Then you also will have those conversations with the school as well. A doctor or physician may refer you to a psychologist to have that assessment done to see if the child in fact has dyslexia or if you're an adult, if you in fact have dyslexia through the licensed psychologist or some speech language pathologists can do those evaluations as well if they have those credentials. There's no medication that treat dyslexia, but educational interventions can effectively learn, help students mitigate those measures or help individuals mitigate those measures and learn ways to work with it and intervene with strategies that's going to make them more effective. Children with dyslexia may work with a trained specialist to learn reading skills and strategies and interventions that's going to help mitigate those measures of the impact of dyslexia. You can work with parents, you can work with your child's school and adults. If you have dyslexia, you can always work with your psychologist and other individuals recommended from your psychologist to help support with dyslexia. When we're thinking about support for dyslexia, the most important thing you can do is support an individual with dyslexia. It's also important to remember that dyslexia isn't something that an individual has control over. So as parents or as educators or with an adult, we want to make sure that we're patient and we're supportive and we're utilizing whatever recommendations and strategies that come from that from that psychological evaluation. We're using those strategies to help support and boost that person's and help that person manage the dyslexia. We want to make sure that we're not increasing anxiety or getting frustrated because typically a person with dyslexia, they really can't help it. And that's just the way they learn. They learn different. So they need support and strategies and interventions to be put in place. Like I said, if your child is in school, parents, you may look into an individual education plan or a Section 504 plan, and you're always going to look at that psychological report and look at those interventions and recommendations and see how you can, can implement those recommendations in the school setting at home as well to help close whatever gaps in ways that dyslexia impacts a student or individual. As far as resources for dyslexia, there are a couple of resources out there, and I'm going to put those resources into the Educate Essentials YouTube page. There's the International Dyslexia Association. I'll put that phone number in there. There's the Learning Disabilities Across America Association. There's Medline Plus and the National Center for Learning Disabilities, as well as the National Institute of Child Health and Human Development and the National Institute of Mental Health. So those, all those resources are there so if you are an individual or your child has dyslexia or you're educated trying to figure out how to help a student with dyslexia, these resources and information will be on the Edge of Faith Essentials YouTube page and you can access the information there. So now we want to shift to essential tips for educators and parents today. And this is also useful for leaders as well. First, I want to talk about essential tips for parents. So caregivers, be patient, and you can provide a nurturing support. If your child is young and you notice it needs symptoms and signs early, reach out to some type of resource. Reach out to your family physician. If your child is in school, reach out to the teacher, but reach out to someone and start having those conversations about what you're observing from your child at home. If your child is diagnosed with dyslexia, here are some tips for you. The first thing you want to do is you want to nurture those thinking skills. So if a person has dyslexia, it doesn't mean they're unable to learn. That means they think differently. So you want to nurture their thinking skills. You want to encourage their skills and then you want to hone in what they're good at and help them use those strategies to compensate on the ways that dyslexia impacts that student. You want to help that child engage with reading. You want to help them engage with writing. You want to help them engage with math based on how the dyslexia impact that child. You want them to become independent 
active rather than a passive learner. And you want to empower them with those strategies necessary for them to be successful in spite of having dyslexia. So ask your child what's happening. Ask them how they're feeling. Ask them questions. When you're working with your child at home, you want to ask questions about whatever they're doing. Ask them about the math problem. Ask them about the main characters in the story. Ask them about what they're writing about and have them talk to you and have those conversations. Work with your child, but then also give them tasks independently. You want to encourage your child to ask questions and tackle work independently. So if they're writing something messy, you can you say, hey, look at this. Is this like your best work? How can we work and make this better? Explain to me how you did this. Explain to me how you got this answer. It's not to frustrate your child, but it's to get them thinking about how they can communicate and learn about the way they think. Have your child teach it to you, teach content to you. You want to break down materials into chunks. So for instance, if your child has 10 spelling words, you might have them do five today and five tomorrow. So you want to break down those different assignments that they may have difficulties with and talk through it for them so they're not overwhelmed. And then have your child teach some of the content to you. Even though they learn different, learn how they learn and learn how they present information, which means that you're going to have them teach you and have them self-reflect on their learning and then you can help support them and correct them. You want to give them praise. Like I said, if a student has dyslexia, or any type of learning disability, you don't want them to have anxiety because they are different or they learn different. So you want to make sure you give them appropriate praise, you give them appropriate rewards, and that you are that advocate for your child. You want to help build build their positive self-esteem. You want to make sure that they're getting enough sleep and they have an organized place to study when they're actually doing their homework. You want to make sure that you have established some ground rules and maybe even put some things on a calendar. So if your child has dyslexia, like I mentioned, the spelling words, you might put a plan for the week of how we're going to tackle spelling words. And you might break that assignment down into chunks and have that child do five words a day until Friday and have them get that content and master those five words and then do it to the next word. So you might have a calendar or a plan, something tangible that a child can actually read and see, okay, this is what I'm going to do this week. And this is how I'm going to make progress. And then they can reflect back and look at their week and see how that calendar, how they mastered everything on the calendar, how they were successful, and then how they met goals in spite of having dyslexia. My essential tips for educators when you're working with students with dyslexia Here are just some common accommodations with materials. So when you're working with materials, you want to highlight essential information for the student. So you may even give that student a highlighter. Sometimes they have cover overlays that help students with dyslexia. So you may actually give some cover overlays to the student for them to help the surface through the content. Use a placeholder. Give them a bookmark. That's one thing you can do. So if they have dyslexia and they're doing math problems and all of those problems are overwhelming or all of the words are overwhelming, give them a bookmark, like I said, or have them highlight information. You want to provide some additional practice activities, especially if you're aware of what the deficit is, so they can have that additional practice and self-correcting materials and activities to help. So you're not grading them on everything that they're doing, but you're giving them practice to refine those skills and those areas of weakness in which dyslexia impacts them. You might provide glossary or word lists or just different things to help those students make those connections. Develop reading guides. A guide can help the reader understand the main ideas and the content. You might allow your student to have audio recording devices and things like that where the lessons may be recorded and you put them on your teacher page or the students can replay something or go back and reread the PowerPoint or go ahead and have the PowerPoint read to them. But just ways to help them listen and use those auditory skills to hone in what they need to learn. And the use of assistive technology. Assistive 
technology resources such as electronic readers, dictionaries, spellers, text-to-speech programs, audiobooks, and things like that. So just different things that you can provide will help those students with materials and overcoming and mastering and gaining content with those materials when they have dyslexia. When you're looking at instructional accommodations, you want to use those explicit teaching procedures. For instance, you might repeat directions, simplify some directions, maintain those daily routines, provide a lesson, a copy of the notes or the lesson, and then maybe give students graphic organizers so they can break down the information and understand the information in a different type of format. Performance accommodations include changing the response mode. So for students who may have fine motor skills, difficulties or deficits, they might be able to underline their thing or they might select for a multiple choice or they might sort or mark their answers out. So just having different ways that you actually can um, monitor their performance and see their mastery that may be different than other students. Provide an outline to lessons, encourage, like I said, graphic organizers, those are visual formats or provide visual formats for that student to master the content. Place students close to the teacher. If your student has dyslexia and they seem to be getting off, then you can kind of monitor if you're in proximity or you can point to where they need to be or watch them highlight or help them highlight the lesson and just help encourage them along the way with proximity and seeing how you need to readjust your lesson while you're actually providing that instruction. You can encourage the use of assignment books or calendars or agendas to record those dates. I know a lot of students now use phones. So helping the families at home to give them a calendar of what's going to be coming up within the next couple of weeks. And as a team together, you're having those dates and those timelines outlined for schoolwork. And then have the students, like I said, underline or use graph paper for math or other any type of resources. Like I said, I mentioned graphic organizers. Graphic organizers are great for reading and writing. Graph paper is good for math. I got a lot of these accommodations and information from this dyslexia handbook. I'm going to have the link to that dyslexia handbook on the Edge of Faith Essentials YouTube page. Like I said, dyslexia impacts students and individuals in various ways. I want to provide some essential tips for parents, some essential tips for educators. And of course, this is all going to trickle up to our leader. As a leader, you can provide these resources to your parents and your educators in the classroom. So now it's time for our book excerpt for today. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take an excerpt from the Essential Tips for Educators book. That's my newest book that's available on Amazon. And in that book, on the chapter five, I provide essentials of the individual education plan. And if you're an educator and you're teaching students, whether you're in a gen ed section or a special education class, you will come across a student with an individual education plan and you will come across a student with dyslexia. In chapter five, I talk about the different impairments. I talk about the least restrictive environment, the IEP process, the services and how services are set up, service deliveries under IDEA. And in that section, I also talk about specific learning disabilities. And a specific learning disability is what a student with dyslexia may be classified under if they have an individual education plan. So I want to read specifically what a specific learning disability is and how it impacts. And this is coming from page 71 of my essential tips for educators. And like I said, I talk about various impairments. I have hearing impairments, intellectual disability, multiple disabilities. Page 71, I talk about the specific learning disability. So let me read a little bit of this section for you. A disability is a disorder in which one or more of the basic psychological processes involve an understanding or in language spoken or written. Specific learning disability is a disorder in which one or more of the basic psychological processes involved in understanding or in language spoken or written may manifest itself in the imperfect ability to listen, speak, read, write, spell, or do mathematical calculations, including conditions such as perceptual disabilities, brain injury, minimal brain dysfunction, dyslexia, and development aphasia. And then I go on to talk about 
the various um, impairments, like I said, in that whole section. And then on page 72, I provide some essential tips about IEP meetings and the processes for educators. And I begin those essential tips on page 72 all the way to 74. And those essential tips are for educators and how you can help support students with individual education plans. So that was essential tips for educators. I spoke specifically about a specific learning disability and how a student may receive services under IEP for that on page 71. And that is our book excerpt for today. So now we're going to shift to our words of wisdom or quote. And the quote for today is from two Hollywood actors that have dyslexia. So I wanted to highlight that. And the first is Whoopi Goldberg. And she says, the advantage of dyslexia is that my brain puts information in my head in a different way. And then the other quote for today is coming from Tom Cruise. Yes, Mr. Top Gun himself. And he has dyslexia as well. And his quote is, I had to train myself to focus my attention. I became very visual and learned how to create mental images in order to comprehend what I read. That is our quote and our word of wisdom for today. Now it's time for our essential advice. So please ask me, Dr. Nikia, if you have any questions about any specific services, about dyslexia. I want to use this platform to support educators, leaders, and families. So if you want to talk about something, you want to bring it to the show, want to bring awareness, please email me at edufaithforall at gmail.com. That is E-D-U-F-A-I-T-H, the number four, A-L-L at gmail.com. I also want to use this platform and my email if you have a inspirational story that you want to share. So if you have a story that you like feature on the podcast, also send that story. I would love to read your letter or share that inspirational story on this podcast. Edufaithforall at gmail.com. E-D-U, the number four, A-L-L at gmail.com. And this podcast is brought to you by Edufaith Educational Services. Does that provide educational consulting for parents? educators and leaders, college accommodation advocacy, consulting and training, parent education trainings for school districts, nonprofits, college and career coaching, business and district professional development training. I train on my books. I can train on whatever content you want specifically relating to diverse learners, leadership, education topics for businesses and organizations. I specialize in working with students with disabilities, helping support with interventions, English speakers of other languages, education and leadership, program development. So if you need help with program development with one of the diverse learner programs. I am here for that under IDEA Section 504, some trainings and other things, as well as coaching educators and leaders. I want to encourage you to follow me on social media, on Twitter at EduFaithS, on Instagram at EduFaith2021, Facebook and LinkedIn, EduFaith Educational Services, and on YouTube at EduFaith Essentials. To my believers, be blessed and to all others, be kind, be well and be the change. Thank you for listening to Educate Essentials and please feel free to like and follow me on social media, on YouTube and listen to this podcast on various podcast platforms. And the links to the shows are available on the Educate Essentials YouTube page. Thank you and you guys have a wonderful day.